Hello, and a very happy new year to you. It's the new year, I can't believe it. I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place, the space that helps you find what happiness means to you. Today, a little throwback to our Happy Place Festival at Tatton Park last summer. I'm chatting to Jumbo Trong. Now every single one of us has a spirit. You're alive, you have a spirit. And you have your own way of connecting to spirit. I watch people do it all the time. When people's eyes widen, when their hair lifts, when they smile, when there's more colour just shows up, you know, like more brightness shows up in in their flesh, you know? And then you know that this spirit, the energy of spirit is present. And so when you catch that, you want to keep that going. This is one of the live episodes of Happy Place from the 2022 Happy Place Festivals. And it's filled with loads of gorgeous and hilarious stuff about self-love, breathwork, bodywork, and really importantly, how to find what your version of meditation and connecting to your spirit is. It's big stuff. Those of you who've downloaded the Happy Place app might already be familiar with the wonderful Jambo. He's on there alongside loads of my other favourite practitioners guiding you through various meditations. And his sessions are accompanied by some simply gorgeous, soothing music. And it's not just meditation on the app, by the way. There's tapping, there's yoga, there are sleep stories, breath work. It's all on there. Putting into practice everything we talk about on this podcast. I'd love for you to go and have a little nosy around if you haven't already. Anyway, I was about to introduce Jumbo onto the stage at the festival. And then I realised that, you know what? He's done so much brilliant stuff. It'd probably be easier if he introduced himself to everyone. And then he spent about a thousand years making his way onto the stage. It's like a little dance routine in the end. Really left me hanging out there by myself. But it was all so worth it when he finally made it onto the stage to join me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, let's do it. Here's the show. Why did it take you so long to get on stage? I was I was like which way is left? <laughs> and then I heard you saying he's going to introduce himself. And I was like, I'm a yoga teacher. And I, can't, I was like, which way is left? <laughs> yeah, but wait, Jambo, hold tight. You're not just a yoga teacher. You put an Instagram video up recently describing all the things that you've been taught and that you are trained in, that you are skilled in for the last 30 years as a practitioner. So how would you describe your role? Okay. <laughs> My official job title is I'm a consultant of complementary medicine. So I've basically spent my career looking at what is complementary and what is alternative and helping to divide that so that we can move it into mainstream healthcare. So how do you make that distinction? So we look at research. 
basically. We look at the benefits of things such as acupuncture, yoga, meditation, certain types of breathing techniques, and we separate these from things that we can't, or, or not can't, but don't have the money to research, such as crystal therapy. Homeopathy has some research building in it, but it could do with a little bit more funding. So my job has been to discern what is effective and what's not effective. And then I hand that over to the medical system, and then they decide it's complementary because it supports their treatment method. Mmm, that's amazing. So my background was working with addictions and mental health. So the patients would come with side effects or symptoms from the medication. My job was to eradicate those symptoms so that they could then do the work with their counsellors, key workers, people like that. So really, you're, you're an expert in human behaviour to an extent as well, because you have to have the ultimate awareness of what's going on for someone, what might be triggering it, what was the root cause. It's a whole full-bodied approach, emotional, mental and body approach to anyone that you're working with. I like the idea of being known as a body reader. A body reader. Yeah. I love watching the way that people walk, the way that they show expressions through their body language, and I get a ton of information that way that helps me understand where this individual is at. But also, what I, what I really particularly love about that work is you first have to work on recognizing what is great. Right. So really, during an assessment process, people often look at me and go, oh, I think he's giving me funny eyes, but in my mind, I'm reading all these, what's great about this person, what's great about this person? And then I get a better picture of actually who they really are, as opposed to the symptoms that they've arrived with. I'm sat here going, what's Jambo thinking? <laughs> oh. I'm like, should I be fiddling with this pen? What is this saying about me? I don't even know. Um, but it is an amazing thing because we're all doing that to an extent when we see people that we love or people that we find difficult or people we um, find synonymous with authority. You know, mm -hmm. we are constantly... Glasses steaming up steaming there, aren't up, they, babes? We're constantly going, <laughs> what is their body language? How do I fit into this dynamic with them? Yes. But you're doing that consciously. You're looking for, for signs yep. and, and for pointers as to, I guess, where they need help and how you can then steer them to, to feel better. Absolutely. And the first part of that is to recognise someone's gifts as opposed to looking at what is wrong. But that's such an interesting approach because I think we often assume if we're going to, say, a regular talk therapy, mm -hmm. that the therapist is looking for what's the problem? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with this person? Mm -hmm. What's blocking them? Mm -hmm. So when you're when you're distinguishing what that gift is, mm -hmm. how does that help you work? Where will you go from there? So first of all, it helps the way that I'm holding the session because I'm looking at somebody who's extremely talented and I notice the things that they're really, really good at and what lights them up. So when people speak, things that I look for is, do their eyes widen? Is there a smile? Does their, does their hair somewhat lift a little bit? Because these are embodiments of spirit. Essentially, if you want to know what embodiment of spirit is, look at a baby. Big eyes, big smile, spiky hair. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're really full of it. So I look for when that happens and I go, ah, yeah, that gets that person's spirit. And I believe then that if we guide them towards that path of continuing to embrace their spirit, they're going to be fine. But isn't this so interesting because... For all of us to hear that, we go, yeah, I, I want to do things that make me feel good. I want to do those things that make my eyes go super wide and make me feel buzzed up. But often we don't. We pick the harder route or the option that's more self-destructive, or we just cap our own joy or our own experience. 
And I'm imagining this all boils down to something that you're deeply passionate about, and that is self-love. Absolutely. And it's obviously a subject that we've talked about a lot within the Happy Place community, and we've talked about a lot in, on the podcast, but we need to continue talking about it because we are en masse terrible at it. Yes. We're absolutely awful at it. We understand what it means. We know that we want to accept ourselves, like ourselves more, love ourselves, but I don't think there's many people sat in here today or listening to this going, oh yeah, I've nailed that. I absolutely love myself thoroughly. And we've got a weird cultural uh, resistance, a stickiness. We don't, we're like, oh, good for you that you love yourself. I've got low, I couldn't love yeah. myself. You know, we've got sort of excuses around it or rules as to why we can't love ourselves. Yes. Why are we in this big mess? Okay, well, so that's a really big question. So, so I'll, do, I'll do my very best to answer it. There are many layers to it, right? First of all is how were we given love? What did we learn about love first, right? How were we treated? What was it like when we went through our first experiences for things such as heartbreak and companionship, growing up, connecting with friends and all that kind of stuff? And then we have our cultural thing because as, as Brits, I'm, I, you know, I was born here, like we're trained, don't, don't shine so much, you know? And then other things, other things such as there was a time in our lives when we shined, when we were like, I'm so in love with life and my life right now, and someone came along and didn't like it. And that little bit of whatever di dig they did was enough to make us very fearful of feeling safe to shine. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what, I mean, in a nutshell, that's why I feel as though there's a lot of distractions around love. And also, you know, sometimes, I don't want to talk about religion too much, but things such as religion were of previous teachers. And look at the way that they teach us about love. It's a little bit warped. It was written by someone, you know, and attempted to be translated. And also it was for kind of a monastic way of loving the self, which is not what we're at, right? Yeah, you can't apply that daily to the modern world. Not if at all. If you're going to work or you're taking the kids to school, it's got to be a realistic application of how do I like myself? And it's so interesting you talking about the element of distraction because obviously we're all completely obsessed with our phones or watching a screen of sorts. And we're constantly then comparing ourselves to other people or or looking for reasons why we can't like ourselves because, oh, well, blah, blah's doing that better or I'm not doing that. And we're, we, that's been so normalised yeah. that we actually forget how impactful it is on who we are. Like, that we're allowed to do things our way differently, yeah. whatever we deem supports our own well-being or our own um, application of that self-love, really. So it, it's not like it's our fault, really, is it? You know, this sort of lack of self-love it, there's an epidemic of it that we're just getting swept away with here. Mm -hmm. mm. Have you heard of Dr. Imoto Masaru, the guy who... Weirdly, no. Pray <laughs> 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 tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went out last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wrote The Hidden Messages in Water. Okay. And so the idea was that if you spoke or sang into water, the particles would show up in different shapes. Now, I, I don't know his research, but I like his work. I like the idea of it. Sounds great. And then I thought about this, and I thought, you know what? We're about 70, 80% water. So what we say to ourselves, 
our quality and skill of self-talk is absolutely important in the way that we then behave within the world. So self-talk is one of those muscles that I have to work really, really hard at. A couple of reasons are I was grown up in a traditional Asian household where love such as cuddling and all that kind of stuff just didn't, just didn't work. Like if, if they wanted to love me, it was like, I'm going to dig at you to do your homework, and that's love. And that's how I understood it. Now, the second piece was that I was given love through the medium of food. So I ate a lot, and then my body shape has changed a number of times over the years, and I'm a... I, I mean, I have some extra skin. You know, like when you look at my belly, you could think about a baby. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Got a lovely belly. No, like, I'm, I'm, I, I love it now, but yeah. I've spent decades touching it going, you know what, if no one else loves you, I still love you. If no one else loves you, I still love you. For, for, for decades. And so my journey of that was looking at myself in the mirror and seeing this whole thing and going, ah, oh, I can't handle this. It's too much. This whole picture of me is too much. I grew up in the era of smartphones, right? So you had a smartphone, I would just take selfies of my elbow, my little finger, my right eye, my left eyebrow, my right ear, you know, that kind of thing, and go, actually, I like this, 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 until eventually I was able to go, okay, I'm, I'm okay with, I'm more okay with this picture now than I was before. Uh, and another story I'd like to share about self-love was last night, I was laying in my best friend's house. We were laughing all night, so I was hyper from the belly aches. And I laid there and I was like, oh, I've got to go and do this podcast tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like that, that happens, right? That happens, and then I can't sleep. And I'm like, what's going on? It's, it's Fern, you're going to have a chat with Fern, it's fine. And, and then eventually I just rolled over, I held myself, and I said, you know what? If no one else likes you, I will still love you. And that was enough to help me fall asleep. That is so beautiful and something that I need to take heed of because I constantly feel like that. Mm, okay. And I feel in control in this dynamic when I'm interviewing somebody. Yeah. But if it's switched and I'm being interviewed or I have to be on something live, I, I definitely won't sleep. But I haven't ever taken that approach of like physically in that somatic way, holding yourself mm -hmm. and realizing and feeling that you're going to be there for mm -hmm. yourself. It sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. I mean, I usually just go, oh, I'll have a Spanish melatonin and I'll just hopefully fall asleep <laughs> a bit. Sometimes too. Um, but it's so lovely that we can sort of soothe ourselves in that way. Absolutely. And it's unnatural because we haven't been taught that we haven't been taught that it's okay to go I don't need exterior validation I don't need other people to tell me that I'm okay and it goes back to looking at how we imbibe information today we're constantly seeking outside validation mm. I hope pe people like me I really want and and I guess you know whenever I've written about this subject in the past I've assumed it's to do with historically how, and I'm talking historically, how we had to be in a tribe to survive. We had to be in a community to physically survive. Mm -hmm. And there must be some ancient part of us that still feels the need, but we just, we don't need it as much anymore. Of course we do on an emotional level, but not to get food or to get right. water. Right. But we're still holding on to, I need other people to like me and to accept me. Otherwise, <sighs> ah, what will happen? I'm, I'm going to cease to exist, right. you know? And I think it's, it, talking about it helps because when we break it down, we can go, oh, it's not, there's nothing wrong with me. 
There's nothing wrong with me seeking outside validation. This is all part of this strange cultural warping that we've been through. And we just need to claim ourselves back, really, and, like, hug ourselves. Claim ourselves back. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I'm probably going to use that. Use it, baby. <laughs> Put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> because we do, because I think we've, we've just gone, yeah, everybody else, you tell me what you think about me, mm -hmm. and then I'll take that version. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had a... Yes. Magnified version of that. So often I've gone, oh, your, your experience of me is this. So I guess that's me. Rather than going, oh, no, I'm not that. Mm. And I think we all do that with, in terms of friends telling us what they think about us or colleagues telling us what they think about us or strangers. And we go, oh, yeah, I'm going to take that version so I can really go into self-loathing. Mm. Because mm -hmm. on the other end of mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. I think we, are, we can all get stuck in that self-loathing, can't we, where... We get so trapped in a negative cycle of thinking that we're not good enough, that we haven't done enough, that whatever it is, we're not enough. Mm -hmm. And I think it's difficult to get unstuck. How do we begin the process of getting out of those negative cycles? Okay, brilliant, brilliant place. I've been thinking a lot about comparisons lately and... The words envy and jealousy and what does it mean when I'm comparing myself to another person? And I completely agree with you. The first thing that comes up is I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And, and I used to get really upset about, you know, that yoga teacher who had that stomach and that one who could do that and that one who was doing that and, and all this stuff. Now, one of my teachers, a Buddhist teacher, one of his sayings is, if you notice something that you want, that somebody else has, what we do is we spend a lot of time going, oh, I wish I had that, or we I might even call you and go, meh, meh, you know, like, whatever. And that's where we then waste our energy. And when we're doing that with our energy, we're allowing how we feel about that thing that we're envying to become even more powerful. But the trick is to rejoice it. Because the moment that you can celebrate what someone else has, you then create the karmic potential for you to experience that too. Oh, it's so hard though. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's How did you hard. get good at that? So you look at the picture and you're like, I'm really glad that this person is doing that. I'm really glad that this person looks great in that. I'm really glad in, and it takes, oh, look at that. You're like, <laughs> it takes time. Uh, and I guess. Practice, is that practice? Practice. Right. Practice. And, and one is we're retraining the muscle of how we talk to ourselves. And secondly, it's very much about uh, changing the way that we react to something. Yeah. And, and that's only important because eventually, the energy that we give it becomes only harmful to us. Well, of course. Yeah. We use these things as weapons against ourselves. As, yeah. We go, I'm going to take what that person's doing and I'm going to turn it on myself. Yeah. And, and we all do this, so I love that, that we can rebel against that. Yes. And we can go, no, no, I'm going to celebrate it and that's good for me and it's good for the other person. And I like that it's just practice because we can all practice. We can, we can all get better at mm -hmm. things, can't we? Mm -hmm. and, and use that as fodder for our own self-expansion, to see our own full potential, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool, Jambo. I'm really, thank you. I'm really into breathing and brain response at the moment. So if you imagine that your breathing muscle, the diaphragm is like the keyboard, and the brain is like the computer, and whatever you put into the keyboard is gonna make the program come out of the computer. So what I encourage people to do is connect to your superhero breath. 
what's so, that? So what, we'll, what I recommend is you do some breathing techniques and work out which ones resonate with you. And then you use the one that you love the most as your anchor into being your superhero. Mm. And so Ujjayi breathing, do you know Ujjayi breathing? It's a yogic breathing, like deep, deep whispering sound in the back of the throat. This is my superhero breath. So as soon as I have that breath going, I feel as though I'm the strong superhero version of Jambo that will crush down that weird energy that I'm moving out into the world. Because I catch myself doing it, I'm complaining. You know, there's like, I don't, I don't know, there's, there's no, I can't get an Uber here. You know, something crazy. <laughs> Something crazy, and I'm there like for five minutes going in a train station where I could just go, are there any taxi ranks, you know? But no, no, I have to have my five minutes. <laughs> I have to have my five minutes. And then I notice it, I go, ooh, okay, that's what I'm projecting out in the universe, and I get my Ujjayi breath going. And that makes me feel like a giant that can stamp down on an old behavior that may or may not be mine. Mm. And then I have the immediate possibility to change the, what, what I program into my brain so the computer comes out with another response. Mm. The autonomic nervous system, the thing that helps us to blink, heartbeat, and also respond to triggers. One of the functions of the autonomic nervous system is breathing. And in fact, breathing is the only function of the autonomic nervous system that we can control. So the great maker has given us the tool to breathe our way through into a different state. But we're just not, are we? I mean, we've done, again, so many different talks or podcasts or Instagram lives, and mainly because I know I need to focus on breath work because mm -hmm. I know the power of it. I know what it can do. Even if it is like you've just said, you're reacting to something as simple as you can't get a taxi, but you take that, that pause mm -hmm. and you breathe. And often we don't, we fluff the handles, we're reacting before we've even stopped to think about how we truly feel about something. If there's old baggage that's backing up the mm -hmm. fact that <laughs> it wasn't even about the cab, yeah, it was about something that mean? happened a month ago. That's right, that's but we right. Don't, we don't do that pause. And, and as you, you know, it's free, we can all do it. You can learn some very easy techniques mm -hmm. that help. And also I'm deeply interested in when we really dig deep into, and this is, again, your speciality, looking at this emotional and physical connection, mm -hmm. that, again, we have this weird disassociation with. We've kind of made them two separate entities. Mm -hmm. There's the emotional, mental side of me, and then there's the physical bit, and mm -hmm. they're running separately. And, of course, it's all one big system. All one big system. So if we are breathing, it's not only going to change how we emotionally and mentally respond to something, it's changing physically what is happening inside of us on a cellular level. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a bit more about what's going on there and how that is such a powerful technique to, to help limit physical stress? Sure, okay. So there's a pretty well-known technique of breathing where you inhale and exhale for equal counts. Have you come across that? It's box breathing. Box Box breathing is usually inhale, hold. Oh, you hold, hold, sorry, right? yes. So not, not quite with the holes, just mm. the inhale and exhale of equal count. So it's the prelude to box breathing. Now, this particular type of breathing was really popularized by an organization known as Heart Math. Now, they came into being about 40 years ago. They wanted to create a meditation technique that would be free from religious connotations and excessive spiritual appearance. And that's how meditation got into areas like the corporate world and into yeah. the sports world and all that stuff. But the technique 
is you just inhale and exhale of equal counts and you're relaxing your awareness in the center of the chest. Now what happens when you do this is that you develop something known as heart rate variability. Now, a long time ago, we used to believe that a healthy heart rate was a low heart rate, a steady low heart rate. Then what we do is we said, everyone go out for long runs. Then what happened after about 10 years, we all came back and went, look at my ankles, look at my knees, look at my hips. Yeah. And we realized not so healthy. And now what half math have discovered is that when you have more variation in your heartbeat like this, it means that you have the ability, let's say you're regular, you're low here, you get a spike, but you have the ability to pull yourself down really quickly. So you have the ability to respond. And just by inhaling and exhaling through the center of the chest by equal pace, we have the ability to do that. And now on a physiological level, what happens is that the body develops something known as coherence. So we have a respiratory system, a cardiovascular system, digestive system, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when we're not in a regulated place, when we're in a stress space, they work separately. So for example, when we're stressed, the blood leaves digestive system and it goes to our limbs so we can go into fight or flight. And we get constipated. And we get constipated. Just putting that yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when that's happening, there's no coherence between the digestive system and everything else. Now, this breathing technique gets all of the systems to work harmoniously with each other. When the system is working harmoniously as one unit, we conserve a lot of energy, mm. a, a ton of energy. So we're not wasting a lot of unnecessary stressful energy managing what's going on inside and we can actually be present. Yeah. And it's so important because not only are we <laughs> expending energy that we could really do with conserving, we're also putting a physical strain on our body. And I think, again... There's been so much talk of this in the last probably five, ten years, but we're still not really, really digging deep into the impact that mental and emotional stress has on our physical body. Yeah. And, you know, we'll probably talk to Rongan about this later in the next live podcast because he's obviously done a lot of work in this area of having people come in with a physical ailment to see him mm -hmm. and then saying, before I prescribe anything, and he's obviously done this on his TV show, go off and take a, a, a walk before work every day or spend time with friends at least once a week or a very sort of holistic approach to a physical ailment mm -hmm. and seeing how quickly the physical ailment reduces, maybe even completely dissipates. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen it time and time again, but I think we're still not managing our stress levels, realizing the detrimental impact mm -hmm. that it could take its toll on our body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? There's another book called The Body's Many Cries for Water Ooh. about some prisoners that, um, I can't remember where they were, but there was a doctor who was also a prisoner and some prisoners took a sick prisoner to see the doctor prisoner and the doctor prisoner was like, well, I can't give them anything. Get them to drink as much water as possible. And then the doctor noticed that the symptoms disappeared. And I feel that this is, the, we're, we're probably at a time now where we need more retreat than ever before. And I don't really know how that's gonna look in the modern day world yet, because we've just had a new planetary shift, right, of the way that we're all living our lives. And who knows what that's gonna look like again. But I feel as though what's important now is that there are spaces that we can go to that have things that we resonate with that help us feel like, you know, I want to go there and breathe. 
I'm like so excited. I'm spitting all over the place. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm just excited about a place we can all go breathe. Like, yeah, that's exactly. really exciting for me. You need that's to right. create this place. Yeah, I know. Make it. Oh, mm. It's a good idea. Yeah. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. But we do. We need, and also, I guess, discipline has to be brought into this conversation because not only do we need, you know, hopefully, we've created one lovely big place for everyone to escape to this weekend, but this is obviously not a, a daily thing. We need to carve out time for our own retreat but that doesn't mean going into your bedroom to then go on your phone for an hour it's a it i think there has to be and it's i always find it quite controversial talking about discipline because it's often not the approach that we want to take we want there to be a quick fix we want there to be a one-stop shop thing we can do but if we have general discipline about i know and i'm i'm an introvert by nature so i i love connecting with people one-on-one, -on -one, you know, this is also gorgeous, but I need time out after I do something like this. I need to be really, really on my own. And if we can, if we know that about ourselves and we have that awareness and then we do really take proper retreats and we do something that makes us feel good, it could be knitting, it could be writing, it could be singing, whatever it is, but we do that for us. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think we're doing that consciously and regularly enough. Was really, you know, I, I think like what you've created here is a version of a retreat, right? And the reason why I said I don't know what it looks like is because when I was growing up, retreat meant you took your malas, you sat in a quiet room, and you were quiet for a long, long yeah. time. And then as I matured into an adult, it became these yoga things that you went to in Bali and Thailand and all that stuff. So, and then now I'm here and I'm seeing this, and maybe this is the way that it works because it has to be inviting. We yes. have to want to come. Yeah. You know, like nobody wants to grab a mala and go sit in a dark room. Mm. <laughs> and you're only getting rice for seven days and water, Ooh, you know? fun. But yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with it. You know, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to grow my spirit in places where it's enticing for me to go to. Mm. And so is there a way that we can open that discussion in the world? You know, maybe, maybe we need to have more of these a year. What do you think? Yes, do you know what? <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> you know? maybe. Ah! Um, as my sanity flies out of the tent. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've loved talking to you personally and professionally about meditation. And you very kindly contributed to my last book about meditation and yoga. And I think there'll be many people in the room here. I'm not going to make you put your hands up, but I would happily put mine up that I sometimes feel put off, or not put off, but I don't regularly meditate. And I, I, and I go, what, why, why am I not doing that? I know I'm going to feel better. I know it's going to give me space and time to recalibrate. I don't bloody do it. And whenever I've spoken to you, or I've even gone on your Instagram, and I've seen you putting an idea out there, or giving us a song, or giving us a breathing technique. I go, oh, I can do that. Mm. And you've made it inviting. And we do need, perhaps, with our very busy modern brains that have the concentration span of two seconds, mm -hmm. inviting opportunities for mm -hmm. us to have mental space. And that doesn't mean a blank mind, but just 
the space to allow thoughts to come in and out without judgment, rather than distracting ourselves constantly. So I wonder, for anyone else out there, me, um, who really wants to have a more regular meditative practice of sorts, mm -hmm. what direction should we move in? All right. First of all, I will say that most of the meditation practices that we do were created thousands of years ago for people that wanted to attain enlightenment. Now, you know, there's a touchy subject for me, enlightenment. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm up for it. And then the next I'm like, you know what? I just want a peaceful day, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or something like that. And, and, and that'll do for me. Remember that if these people were on a quest to connect to their spirit, and they created these controlled environments and practices to do that, it worked for them. Now, every single one of us has a spirit. You're alive, you have a spirit, and you have your own way of connecting to spirit. I watch people do it all the time. So I gave you some clues earlier, right? When people's eyes widen, when their hair lifts, when they smile, when there's more color just shows up, you know, like more brightness shows up in, in their flesh, you know? And then you know that this spirit, the energy of spirit is present. And so when you catch that, you want to keep that going. So when you notice a child, when they become awakened by their spirit, you're like, oh yeah, that really does it for them. And you keep that going, right? Because that's their way to their, their spirit. So whatever versions of that you do, there's the beginning of your meditation. Because meditation, it has two parts. One is the thing that you're focusing on, and the second is just the abiding in bliss, being the human being. Like I watch my sister sometimes like do something like her, her makeup, her hair, and then she does it, she's getting ready to go, and I'm like, whoa, you need to stop. You just created a work of art there, mm. right? Because we create a work of art when we're doing that. Like, okay, now I'm ready for the world. Yeah. You know, this, ah, now I'm ready for the world. You just created a beautiful piece of art. And what needs to happen is stop, pause for a moment, and abide in it. And that, does that make sense? It's How, gorgeous. Right? Like we should all be just reveling in our own bliss a right. bit more, shouldn't right. we? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, have you heard like a lot of people love cleaning? I love cleaning. Hello, yes, I love cleaning. There's a company over there called Neat, who is specifically here because it is the thing I probably buy most of. In It's a sustainable product for cleaning. It's oh. refillable. I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> it's not an advert. This is just me. Um, a refillable surface. I, I, I sh my husband says I should have a hand and then a left hand that's just a surface spray bottle because I just surface spray, I'm obsessed by it. I love cleaning, that is a meditation for me. So did you see, Fern's energy went like this? My I spirit went, was shining. I went like this. <laughs> I don't like cleaning. <laughs> oh, I, I'll come around your house and do it. Oh, I love brilliant. it. Oh, brilliant. I love it. Brilliant, brilliant. So, you know, people have this, see that love, like I love it, I love it, yeah. like this, I want to grow another left arm, you know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> right? And then that's, that's your way in. And then what happens afterwards, you're like, ha. Ah, which is the same thing that happens in meditation. You get to this place where you're like, ah. mm. right? So whatever is your path, whether it's cooking, cleaning, playing, putting something together, that's your technique in to connect into your spirit. Once it's done, just have a moment of being because yes. that's when you really register it. And when every single time you go, ah, even if it's for one minute, you know when you play games and you hit, well, before you save where you're at in the game, it's like that. It saves where you're at in your relating and romancing with your spirit. What a lovely way of putting it. I love that. I mean, you want to see me when I'm cleaning the kitchen next. I'm going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be reveling in it. Uh -huh. It's going to be, but uh -huh. it's, 
because it's, I'm very interested to understand how you stumbled across this thinking because you are, your family were very traditional very in traditional. their approach to meditation as you were growing up. And we've spoken about this previously where as a tiny child you would sit with your grandfather mm -hmm. and meditate in a very traditional setting. Very traditional setting. Yeah. So how has that, I guess it is a transition of sorts, been? Because you have, I guess become more open-minded in your approach mm -hmm. to meditation. Mm -hmm. Not that there's wrongs and rights, but you've been able to explore other areas, mm. yet you've remained dedicated to knowing that it works and that it works for you. Mm -hmm. All right, so when I was, I, I would meditate for an hour a day, and then I would get to university. I got to university, so first time away from home, and I would meditate, and then I would go, go, to, go to class. And by lunchtime, I was like, well, which pub are we going to? Yeah. You know, like, is there, a, is there a glass of wine with that, like, lunch meal? You know, like, that's where I was at. And so I was completely already no longer in that. I mean, not that you're not there if you go and do that kind of thing. I'll tell you another story in a moment, but one of my teachers, who famous Taoist teacher in China, loves a beer. Loves a beer. Loves a beer. Yeah. And, uh, so, so I would get to school and realize, oh, I'm kind of disconnecting. And by about 3 o'clock, I'd be, like, in this different realm, right? And so I realized, okay, an hour of meditation in the morning is not enough. I need to do something throughout the day. So I would sit for maybe five or ten minutes in the morning, and then throughout the day I would have lots of five minutes. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of five minutes. Mm. It's easy to have five minutes, because, you know, you, you need to wait for the next thing to go on or whatever, right? Yeah. And, so, and so my belief was that if I had short moments of plugging in, like charging my phone, it was better than just having a big charge and letting it run out of steam throughout the rest of the day. Was there any part of you that felt um, like you were sort of cheating on the older technique? That, oh, I, I, there was a discomfort that you were leaving that behind? Really interesting you say that because I, because I have this really interesting relationship with dogma. I grew up as the eldest son of an Asian family where you had to be this, 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 and I just really hated it. So I would question it and push it away, and being queer as well didn't help, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I was already like, ah, oh, this can't be right, this can't be right. So doing an hour in the morning and that's it, this can't be right because it's not working. Yeah. It's not working, so how can it be right? Just because you said it, Five, you know, however many thousand years ago, it doesn't mean that it's applicable now. And I need to keep my head connected to who I really am throughout the day. Mm. So this is how I'm doing it. Yeah. But that's it, isn't it? It's if it works for you. And I think that's why I often have a problem with sometimes how the well-being world industry at times operates, that things are very much prescribed. If you do this, if you drink this juice, if you do that, you're going to feel amazing. And it's like, wait a minute. Don't we have to find our thing? Yeah. My thing is going to be different to your thing. Absolutely. And obviously there's always, um, I guess, a base level of aim for self-acceptance, self-love, and all the stuff that we know works. But how you go about getting that has got to be bespoke. And also, it's really interesting you just mentioned there one of your Taoist teachers who loves a beer. I've had really interesting chats with people over the years about the element of fun. Mm. And often when we're talking about um, wellness, well-being, I'm sort of uncomfortable with a lot of these words because I don't really know what it is I'm even doing. I'm just trying to learn as I go and help other people learn alongside me and whatnot. But wellness, well-being, whatever, sometimes it can be presented in a way where, 
oh, God, this is going to be hot. I've got to do an hour of yoga, or I've got to sit and meditate, or whatever, or I can't eat that anymore, or whatever thing it is. And it's like, where's the fun? And um, I was talking to this amazing lady when I was writing, again, Bigger Than Us, and, and this lady, Alex uh, Bedoya, who contributed to the book, had work, ha still does work a lot with Mexican elders. And she remembers a time where she was sat in a circle of grandmas in Mexico, and they had some sort of um, spirit. I mean, alcohol, not like spirit. <laughs> and... Um, and and she was like, oh, no, no, no. And they were like, lighten up. Yeah. Like, have a shot. Let's have some fun. Yeah. Because that, again, is awakening our spirit spirit. Yes. Like, that fun is it, isn't it? It's joy. It's fun. It's the light in the eyes. It's, it's all of that. Like, recently, this is a weird tangent I'm going off on, um, just speaking and thinking at the same time. But I went with my best mate, Kai, who is somewhere, I don't think he's in this tent right now, but he's somewhere in the festival. And... I took him to see Coldplay for his 40th. We both love Coldplay. And I think that's as spiritual as you can get in terms of a gig. Like, there's these lights, and, the, and it's just amazing. And I was really, yeah, nodding, yeah. I was watching <laughs> Chris Martin's eyes were this big. He was literally, like, electrifying to watch because you could tell he was loving it. His heart was open. He was, like, connected to something else. And it's like, that's it, isn't it? It hasn't got to be this somber thing of oh, I better go and work on my problems and then, <laughs> and then drink this drink that tastes bloody awful or whatever. <laughs> it's like, let's make it fun and, and, and connect to that. So really, we should encourage ourselves to, what is your thing? Go find your thing. Go find it. And then maybe call that meditation or at least know that it works for you and that it grounds you and makes you mm -hmm. feel good. Connects you to your spirit. Connects you to your spirit. You know, because people want to do these things because they want to be spiritual. Mm. But if you're doing stuff that makes you go... Yeah, feel awful. That's yeah. not connecting to your spirit. your spirit. Your spirit doesn't want to be there when you're like... No. Right? It doesn't want to be there at all. It's there when you're like this. Yeah. Right? So you want to get to that place. You do. Yeah. But again, I think that goes right the way back to the start of the conversation, talking about self-love and allowing yourself to feel that joy mm -hmm. and feeling it without judgment or oh, am I having a bit too much fun? Or, oh, I shouldn't because that person's having a terrible time. Like, be joyful. Who was it that said recently, um, it's a book that I've read. Oh, it was Sonia Choquette who came on the podcast recently was saying, there are tons of miserable people out there. The way to help them is don't be miserable. <laughs> like, be someone that is joyful, that can help spread joy, that can mm -hmm. help people who aren't feeling mm -hmm. good. And I think it, it, everything seems to just tie back to self-love. Mm-hmm. I like that yeah. a lot. Like I, I, I used to work with people in rehabs and uh, people threatened with homelessness. And you can't take that chat to them. No. You know, like when I've gone and taught in prisons, you can't take that serious, you need to drink that green thing, you know? Otherwise, you need to make it fun for them. And that means resonate. Have a laugh. Have a laugh. You know, have a bit of a banter. You know, that, that's yeah. really, really important to get somebody through the door. And when someone is like, belly laughing tell me they're not connected to their spirit oh it's the best feeling in the world right. it's proper euphoria yeah and another word that i feel gets battered around a lot is the word intention set your intentions what's your intention and i'm thinking a lot of time i don't know what is my intention i don't have a bloody clue you do a lot of work with intentions very specifically to help with certain things and overcoming trauma and healing how can we use intentions first of all actually let's go one level deeper what the hell is an intention okay you we have a day or we have a life 
right? And during that process, we are emitting whatever we're emitting into our lives on whatever level, the way that we talk, the activities that we're engaging with. Now, something that I say to my group of mentees all the time, there is no intent. There's no magic without intent. I said, what are we doing? What are we doing? So, you know, like one of my intents today was embody love, just embody love. So when you, when, you know, we're both dressed in like love, sense love of colors, colors, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then we're talking about love. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. This yeah. is actually in line with what I want to be today. And so what it means is no matter where I go today, no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to do my very best to embody love today. Now, why have I chosen such a big intent? It's a big intent. It's because I'm in front of you. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> like, well, because I want to basically translate this information across in, in the best possible way that I can. And I know that when I embody love, I'm patient. Mm. <laughs> Which, you know, and that's going to help me get that information across. And it's a much better intent for me than just to be patient. I love the fact that on Instagram the other day, you said, Jambo, if you set an intention at the start of your day, no matter what comes to you, the unexpected, which is every day something unexpected will happen, you will react to it from that place of right. intention. And I right. thought, that's cool, because mm -hmm. that's actually a little bit of a roadmap to go, oh, that's how I behave in this situation. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we don't. We get caught off guard and we're like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting this to happen. Mm -hmm. And then you bring some baggage from the past and that creates a reaction. But if you go, oh, my intention today is to embody love or whatever it is to help other people, to feel more peace, to mm -hmm. feel connection, mm -hmm. you can go, I'm going to react from that place. Exactly. That's very cool. Yeah. And it, for me, it helps to create, a, it's setting intent helps to create a boundary. Yeah. So if I'm embodying love today and someone asks me to do something and I tune in, was that connecting to me embodying love? No, I'm not going to do that today. And I'm okay with saying no to that yeah. because of what I've set out to do today. Now, setting an intent of embodying love is a big one. Yeah. Intent, nice and easy intents are, the intent today is to breathe deeply for you. The intent today is to be struggle-free. The intent today is to be in your heart. You know, like easy stuff. The intent today is to take a deep breath <laughs> I before like, I respond. Ah, <laughs> real easy. Oh, well, you know, like. <laughs> How can I make an easy one? The intent today, <laughs> the intent today is to... Be kind to myself. Yes, that's yeah. a really good intent. Yeah. That's a really good intention. I like that yeah. one. Things like that. Awful at it. And I like that it helps set boundaries because I'm awful at boundaries. It's my biggest lesson in life that I keep having to learn again and again, and I want to get better at it. And I like that because when you said no then, as an example, you were smiling. No. No. Yeah. It's a no. Yeah. And it's like when you say that from a good place of intention, People don't take offence, or if they do, it's their stuff, That's it's right. not yours. That's right. And you don't have to feel that fear of, oh, God, now they hate me and I'm going to be rejected. Yeah. This is all my own personal yeah. stuff. I think it's very, very cool. So we can certainly all, hopefully today, even though we're halfway through the day, set that intention. Maybe let's all do the same one of, let's just be nicer to, to ourselves and always work from that place in whatever happens here if you're in the queue to the toilet or whatever goes on, like have that as our group intention, I think it's really, really lovely. And then another thing I'm super interested in is body work. Mm -hmm. So body work can mean, I, I'm, this is my guesswork here from what I've seen that you do, a combination of it could be yoga, but also massage. And you give again great techniques online as to how we can work on other people, not as trained masseuses, but we can apply body work to help ourselves and others. How might we do that? Wow, touch, 
first of all, we begin with touch. And we live in such an interesting time when it comes to touch. There's a technique that I particularly like called the caress. Now, if you have children or pets, you're going to be really good at caressing. There's this way that you just grab each other. I'm looking at Anushka there, like, because we caress each other, oh, you know, we're like, oh, yeah. my You guys are constantly caressing. Right? It's outrageous. Right? <laughs> 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 it's a loving touch, right? You're like, oh, it's, look at this. It's so lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. And a producer Anushka would love all guests to caress her. <laughs> it just doesn't happen very often, sadly. <laughs> it's a gorgeous thing. Right. And, and so when we are doing that with our beloveds and we watch the way that they react and rejoice in our company, that's really essentially the way to do it. Like, can you like, oh, you know, give a little extra squeeze, mm. you know, that kind of thing? That's body work. That's body work. And so it's touching. How do I say this? Because a, a technique is involved. You don't need to know a lot of technique at, at first because if, I was, if you were to come to my bodywork school, right, what you would do for the first number of days is caress and caress and caress and caress and caress until we get out of our heads the way that we think we're supposed to touch each other. Yeah. And then what happens is that there's this, this room becomes this soupy experience where we all kind of like melt into this ocean of bliss because and no technique is happening. I'm not telling you about any acupressure points, any muscles or anything like that. You're just watching how, how we release what is described as core tension because we're just being caressed in that way. And you've got lots of lovely... Um what hormone is it that's released? Oxytocin. Oxytocin. I was just reading about this last night. Yes, that's all coming out, isn't it, it oh, as well? So great. The hormone of intimacy, of connection. Oh. Like I, I We're so weird about touch, aren't we? Like, I think especially British people. We're so weird about it. And I think, like, I'm a big hugger. You know that. I love hugging people. I've hugged about a thousand people already today. I love hugging people. And like when you were talking about pets there, I've got a cat called Simon who's amazing. I am caressing the hell out of Simon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, me right. and Simon get so stuck in. Yes. Oh, it's gorgeous. But like, if I look at my parents' generation, I love, oh, my dad is like the nicest man ever, Mick Cotton. But when Mick hugs me, he goes, <laughs> there's a quick tap and then, we, and then we're done. And I want, it to, I want to get into the hug. Yeah. And it's, I think it is a generational thing. Their parents didn't even touch them. There was no hugging whatsoever. So we're incrementally, hopefully, getting better at that physical touch and not being weird about it or feeling like it's a strange thing to do. It's, it's a basic... And like you were saying, to start hugging yourself. That feels... Sometimes it's, you don't even want to touch yourself. You're like, oh, God, oh, that self-loathing thing. I feel sometimes like, oh, I don't want to even touch my own hands together. I feel repulsed by myself if I'm in a bad headspace. But to actually do that and really feel supported by yourself, I think that's so powerful. So powerful. So powerful. Yes. And touching yourself and the self-talk totally come, come together. I really hope at some point you all get to meet my partner. He's a master of self-love. Master. Now, he lives in Indonesia. We get to talk once in the morning for me, at night for him. And so I've, I've just woken up. I've barely breathed for myself. I haven't brushed my teeth and there's not enough caffeine in the world. You know that? It's like I'm in that. And he's there going, oh, I've had a lovely day. I've been do 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 And then I'm going, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after about five minutes, he literally does this. He holds the phone out and he goes, wow, I look really good today. And I go, oh. <laughs> I love that. You know, and I go, I'm sorry, babe. You look really, really. And he's like, no, no, I don't need it from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. glowing. 
He's, and he's a master at that self-talk in that way. And he uses his words then to caress himself. And he's constantly in a blissful state. Mm. And it's so, so much so that when a disaster for me happens, like I remember getting in a taxi with him uh, to go get my passport sorted out. It was a 45-minute ride because that's just what Indonesia is like. And I get there and we get out and I go, oh, no, I forgot my passport. Oh. And I'm about to have a meltdown, yeah, yeah. right? Been and there. he falls on his backside, screaming, laughing. Screaming, laughing, and he's connecting to spirit in that way, and it breaks me out of it. But anyway, I'm, I'm bringing him up because he's a master of using, he's caressing himself. Like, he'll talk about self-body work a lot, touching himself a lot, and oxytocin is the hormone that releases when you're, in, when you're being embraced. So when you need soothing, have you ever noticed that sometimes it's very difficult to sleep? But then if you've hanged out with somebody that you're close to that day, or there's someone sleeping in the same building as you, you fall asleep, yeah. you know, really, really easily because there's a release of this wonderful, wonderful hormone. And all we have to do is touch each other, mm. just touch each other in this way with our words, with our, with our, you know, with our, you know, whatever you want to touch with. Well, not whatever, but <laughs> not whatever, not whatever. With your hands. With your elbow. With, with your, your elbow, with your elbow. Cheek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheek, cheek, you know, like that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so there's the power of it there already. It's right. so simple. There's this sort of weird, uh, societal barrier we need to break down with that and I yeah. love that you're doing the work to make that happen yeah. to teach us to be more self-accepting and in turn more accepting of each other it's just it's a beautiful thing all around and I'm so glad that we got to talk today and cover just a teeny bit of what you do because it's, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. So I urge you to all go follow Jambo on Instagram. Go check out his website, find out more about it and be nice to yourself. I'm saying that for me as much as I am for everybody else in this room because I think we're all useless at, at self-love. So um, thank you so much to Jambo. Please give up everyone for Jambo Trong. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as I'm sure you can imagine, when we came off stage, Jambo and I spent lots of lovely time hugging, caressing each other. Oh, Jambo, thank you so much for your time and your energy, you beautiful human. You can find out more about Jambo's wonderful meditation, yoga and bodywork sessions, which he runs in person and online on his website, jambodragon.com. And of course, if you'd like to try his practices, there are a variety of his meditations on the Happy Place app. He has practices to help you wake up in the morning, to sharpen your focus and aid that often elusive self-love too. We all desperately need this. Huge thanks again to Jambo, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio and to you for sharing in the Happy Place experience, whether that's through the festivals, the app or here on the podcast. I love that you're part of it. Happy New Year. I'll chat very soon. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.